Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back, kick things off. The Star Tribune's predictions for best picture. Awesome. Right up to this, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com, and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2005, and I think it was a Honda Accord, back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So... I called the Honda store, we looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> That's really nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We're rocking out, man. Yeah. What do you think of that? We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show, a little news, a little information, everything, everything basically you need. Um, I will tell you the top two picks for the Star Tribune for best Oscar or best picture Oscar. Black Panther and Mm -hmm. the Queen thing. No, Roma. Oh. So basically, it's not in the description because basically 
Oh, there are no white people in either one of them. So that's I was going to say, are gays lower on the totem pole now? <laughs> I probably. I don't know. I think they actually are. The psychosis of it all just uh, it shocks me to death. It doesn't. Yeah, they they uh, they like uh, Roma, which is uh, the story of Alfonso Cuarón's uh, fictionalized pan. Is it is it pan? P a e a n. I think so. Pan. I think pan. It, a pan. Yeah. To the woman who raised him in Mexico City, a stunning achievement with a soulful story and luminous cinematography, told largely with amateur actors, both intimate and epic. At times, it echoes the best of Fellini and Bergman. Then again, black and white subtitles. It might have to settle for foreign film honors. Yeah, I am not going to go sit and read some stuff about whatever. I'm good, thank you. Uh, the other pick by uh, Star Tribune with four stars. The only two four stars, Roma and uh, Black Klansman. Oh, there has to be white people in Black Klansman because it's about the Ku Klux Klan. So I guess there are very they're evil to, yeah, white Yeah, they're allowed there to be the bad guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, very evil white people are in it. But that's a true story. Uh, I do know that. A black police officer finagles his way into the Ku Klux Klan in 1970s Colorado, a stranger-than-fiction tale that's Spike Lee at his most entertaining and literally hair-raising. The daring undercover operation feels genuinely treacherous and subversive. Then again, the modern-day Charlottesville Coda is purely a sledgehammer that feels unnecessary. So I thought the Black Klansman was a true story. It says here... It's a semi-true uh, story. Um, semi-true. Oh, it's semi-true. Okay. Well, in real life, it really was. Um, tell the truth. I well, I don't know about the actual movie, and I never will. But in real life, uh, the operation was a white guy and a black guy. Uh, the I forget what it. I think the black guy. I don't. I'm, let me read into it. But the the movie oh, is it's it. it's um not quite true to real life, of course. None no. of it ever is. No, no based. That's why they get away with a lot of latitude. with based yes. on a true they story. Do. Based on a true story. There were two people that lived in Missouri. That's the truth. That's the true story part of it. Yeah. Mom and I watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody last night. Galileo, Galileo. Oh, how'd you like it? I didn't like it at all. Oh, you didn't? Oh my gosh! Why? But, Cassie, have you met Tom? True. <laughs> well, we kind of broke it down this morning on the KQ Morning Show, and I think there are reasons that I had to admit to. Um, one of the reasons I that I really didn't want to see this, I do remember because he died in 1991. He found out he was uh, HIV positive. He had AIDS, actually. Not he was. He had AIDS. Yeah, didn't he find out he had AIDS in 80? No, I think it was 84, 85. No, he lasted a while. 84. I think it was 84 when he found I don't know. I would have to check that out. But, uh, well, I mean, three things. I'm not a big fan of Queen's music. It's all show tunes to me. It's not rock and roll. I love a nice show tune. Yeah, I know. Everybody does. Um, the word when I was working at Capitol Records, they were not on Capitol, but the word around is that... Uh, Brian May and Freddie Mercury are the two biggest pricks in all of music. Well, it, the movie didn't make Freddie Mercury look too nice. <laughs> no, it did not. That's for sure. But the thing that came you know, screaming home during the morning show was, uh, looking back at that period of time, 85 and 86, we were all told we were going to die. Yep. And we were all terrified. Oh, yeah. That's true. That they was a big no part idea. Yeah, they had no idea how to stop that thing. Yep. They literally, they intimated 
or I guess they leaned, this is about as liberal as I can get with it, um, or conservative, I, I mean, as I can get with it, but uh, they literally thought everybody was going to die. So here you are, you know, Andy, I'm about your age at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, we all get to die. I don't even know. You know, we all were tested for, for uh, HIV and AIDS and all that stuff. Everybody I know got tested because, like, well, good God, how long? Because they didn't know how long it could oh, be yeah. in your system. Well, and I remember people were afraid uh, if you got sneezed on, could you get it? Right. They weren't even sure if it was Coffee. an airborne. Yeah, they didn't yeah. know anything about it. It was really scary. A friend of mine uh, was a, an internist in New York City at the time of the AIDS epidemic. Yes. And right. she was she said it was just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, she losing people every single day for years. Yes, ex- that's exactly right. Yeah, it says you here, know, oh, I was going to say it says here uh it was reported that Freddie had uh HIV and AIDS in 1986. That's when 86 I 86 is when it was reported. Well, yeah. But that was that. So yeah, the problem is with the movie is they moved the timeline around. Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah, cause, because he, they make it look like he already knew he had AIDS, mm-hmm. had AIDS and when live AIDS was going on. Yeah, because he had coughed, coughed up blood, mm-hmm. so he knew something was going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and he died. But they kind of moved it around. Yeah. yeah. He, he died, died in 91. Yep, November of 91. November 24th, 1991. He was only 45 years old. Um, yeah. But this is a man, and one of the reasons I didn't like the movie who let his own ego run right over everybody, including his own parents, well, including his wife, including his That's not a reason not to like the movie. That's just what the story yes, is. is. Well, and I, I was talking oh to Alex about this earlier today. This is tale as old as time. With, tale you know, person makes time. it big, turns into complete jackass. Yep. It's not But new. no, I think the, the reason new. I didn't want to see the movie was the, was the HIV AIDS part of it. Because it, it just brings back how terrified we all were that mm. we're all going to die. Because we were basically told, you're all going to die. Yeah. That's true. That is crazy. Like, good God. Yeah, I remember the, uh, everybody was talking about, well, Mother Nature thinks there's just too many people on the planet. And sooner or later, yep. the big virus is going to happen. In reality, what happened was, is they spun the story, and we're talking about big um, hospitals, big, you know, the entire health department, all the rest of it. They spun the story. They knew how you got AIDS. but After they, a while, they did. They knew, apparently, from the beginning. Really? How would they know? Well, because it was around long before 1985 or six. Yeah, AIDS started it was. in Africa. It didn't start in... It started in Africa. They say it can, comes from green monkeys' kidneys, and they tried to blame it on Jonas Salk, and I don't know if that's true or not. But I think that's why I didn't want to see this movie, because when I did watch it, those scenes with Remy Malik playing Freddie Mercury, when he's dying and he knows he's dying, they're just heartbreaking scenes. Well, that's what makes it good. Uh, I know, but he he's, was, there. he's just there all by himself, and he's going to die, and no, he doesn't care about anybody, so nobody cares about him. And oh, But God. he had a change of heart, and then he had his friend well, for 10 good. years. I had yeah. a change of heart, and then, and then I decided to be nice. Well, that's what kind of <laughs> has to happen. I found out I'm dying, so I'm going to be nice to people now. Well, but you have to remember, during that time, and especially in um, some religions yeah being gay is the worst thing that could possibly happen yeah that's true was, yeah, that's true. was. i mean like uh-huh. that that uh like the uh the creepy um irish guy said 
the hanger on, whatever his name was. I can't remember in the movie. The, oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he said he, he thought Downton that his. Abbey. Yeah. He, he yeah. thought that he said that his father would rather see him dead. Than be gay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, and that's how are, people felt back then. People are still like that. There are some people. Nah, who? Well, there, I'm sure yeah. there are some. There are, there are definitely that, religions that it's yeah. still, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We're in the suburbs of New Orleans. <laughs> well, I don't <laughs> I know. Say, we're not allowed to unfair. say which ones, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I don't know anybody that holds that position. I have numerous friends. Not one of them could care less about your skin color, about your orientation, about your gen. They don't <laughs> care. Here's what I don't understand about the report reportage on this whole deal. It was a long time ago. Is that most people, they've got enough on their plate already. They, there's mom. Yeah, Mother there you go. God. Shot clock. Tippy-coop. <laughs> Hello. Tippy-coop. Which reminds me, I better turn Hello. mine off. Thank you very much. Um, I lost my place because of that alarming ringing. Um, I don't remember what I was talking about. So I guess it wasn't all that. Oh. Uh, I think it's just about the fact that, they, that, that a lot of these reporters are young, single people that report these stories for the big newspapers and the networks and all that stuff. They don't understand what it's like to be married and have children and have all these responsibilities. They think everybody's got this carefree life like they do. So they think, oh, they've got all the time in the world to care about your orientation or your skin color or your whatever, uh, which you just don't. Uh, you you live your life. You do what you want to do. You know, like I said, stay away from children and animals and other that. I don't care what the hell you do. Try to be honest. Try to be a decent person. Maybe you want to get some of that hatred out of your heart because now here's what I, I don't like, and then I'll shut up, I promise. I do not like the fact that 50 years ago, Martin Luther King did say, judge people by the content of their character. And yet, if you are a Christian, particularly Roman Catholic white person, they now hate you because not only your skin color, but because of your religion. What did we learn? We learned absolutely nothing. Is that right? Oh, okay. I've said that for a while. I, Americans have to have a group to hate. Me too. Well, the world does. Yeah, Americans, I think especially. It just seems it just seems like the struggle is just something that we're well, just yeah, so yeah, into, true. and fault finding and blame has just really gotten to be the American way. Uh, well, it is. You're up. Well, I think it's the world, though. What I love is when you look. When I used to look at Twitter and Facebook, I haven't been on it in years now. But when I used to look, you'd constantly find people in Britain bitching about America. It's like. Listen, well, lame-o, I'm mostly, I'm mostly British, and the British Isles and all the rest of it, all those, those places. And I'm here uh, to tell you, if it weren't for America, you'd be flat and you'd be speaking German. So shut up. You know what I mean? Yep. That's true. It's like we did all these things. And, and then, by the way, who kicked in to rebuild the entire earth? Luckily, none of the war happened in the United States of America or Canada or Mexico. But um, I, I just, you should be grateful forever that you're not uh, a Nazi. What have you done for me lately? Well, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and look, I loved England. Uh, we loved London. I am, uh, you know, there's a part of me that's German, part of me that's British and Scottish and Irish and all that. So I'm talking out of my own family here. You need to calm down. That's all um, I'm saying. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean... 
if, if you look at the comments and you see what people retweet, yeah. you can see where if somebody's from another country, they would say, what is going on over there? You're all crazy. Well, they all are crazy. Because, you know, it's constant. Nazis are running the White House. Nazis are all over the place. Do you, do you know what that kind of impact that has on a European? Well, yeah, absolutely. That actually had Nazis in their backyards? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah, that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, it really it? means something over there. Over here, it just means I don't like them. Exactly. Yeah. Latest, of course, we found out that Mr. Phillips, the guy who claimed that the student walked up and started taunting him when actually he walked up to the student and started beating his drum, we find out that he loves to confront people all the time. Oh, yeah, he's basically, he's a paid instigator. But yeah, he's a paid instigator, that's exactly right. And these morons fell for it. I always fall for it. It's <laughs> because they want people to look bad. Why do you want an entire race of people to look bad? Because they were wearing the wrong kind of hats. Oh, that's yep. right. They had the wrong hat that's on. That's literally yep. why. They're the it's wrong religion, wrong skin color, wrong hats. Um, i got to be honest with you. Uh, my mother was a Democrat. My, a lot of p- people in my family are still Democrats. What's going on in Washington, D.C., that's not Democratic or Republican. It's psycho against psycho. You people have lo- You put Ocasio-Cortez... On these powerful committees, she has no idea what the hell she's talking about. Didn't they just say 74% of Democrats would consider voting for her? Yes, absolutely. And I don't know what kind it's of so poll. Sad. I don't believe those polls anyway. Well, but, no. but seriously, this woman is insane, and they give her all the power they possibly can. What is wrong with because you? Because she's trending right now. And she's, she's also trendy, not white. so you got to keep going because they want younger voters to go that way. I got some bad news for you. For all the people that hated black people back in the day, white people who hate white people, you're every bit as bad. Because singling out an entire group of people for that particular reason is racist as hell. And you think it's the exact opposite of racism. Isn't that odd? Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for throwing it in, Andy. Somebody finally responded. I appreciate that immensely. But no, look... We got to take a break here, but we'll be back. And then a bunch of really great calls came in this morning on the morning show. We'll be back right after this time, well, aren't you? We'll have a guest when we come back. Oh, well, that's good. Well, we can do it at some point. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. All right. We'll be back. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski, who's here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get and use from North American Banking Company called XCheck. Tom, it's a payment app we developed. We wanted to simple application that was safe and secure, easy to use, and a way in which you could pay the kid who cuts your grass, shovels your snow, way you could split a dinner check without having to exchange cash, without having to write a check. The app processes the payment, puts it right into the receiver's account literally the same day. It's free to our customers. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. This is Tom Why Not Bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Check out nabankco.com slash KQ for more about XCheck. Member FDIC and equal housing lender, Mike is a disaster. Now, wait a minute. You better cut out that. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, 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 Tommy. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Whiting Clinic has changed their name to include their two specialties, LASIK and cataract surgery. Whiting Clinic is best known for their amazing LASIK results and ability to enhance thousands of lives by restoring vision to clarity without the need for glasses or contacts. 
You've heard me rave about them for years. You know that. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm a perfect example of their good work. You know what I'm saying. I see so clearly now. When my clear LASIK vision started to fade due to cataracts, Whiting Clinic took care of me again and have the most advanced lens technology so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you're over 60 and have noticed your vision starting to fade, call the experts at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. To learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020. That's 855-554-2020. And please tell them Tom sent you. All right, I won't even ask. (laughs) I won't even ask if you actually appeared on stage naked except for a sock over your penis. That's hilarious. You know, that band did this. I know. You do know that. I know. What the Why hell wouldn't was that you? all about? It was hot. I don't understand. It was hot outside. Yeah. It was an outside Good concert. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, what a thrill to be just a part of this whole thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the girls are gone. The truth is, it Rookie? Is it, is it Rucky or Rookie? I say the last name. Rocky. It is Rocky. Okay. <laughs> the girls are gone. The true story of two sisters who vanished, the father who kept searching, and the adults who conspired to keep the truth hidden. This should be a fascinating subject. Uh, Allison Mann and Michael Broadcorb, how are you? Thanks so We're much. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Michael, where the hell you been? I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Well, it's, it's, been, it's been some time. You know, I used to see over it with uh, Ron Rosenbaum. Uh, I used to talk right, exactly. Ron was great about, about letting us come on the show a few times and talk about this subject. You know, Ron, we, we, give, we give a shout-out to Ron and, and his wife Lucy at the end of the book for their, for their work in helping promote this story oh, and discussing it. So Ron was a big help in, in getting some attention to this issue. That is a wonderful thing. And, and Allison, one thing I will tell you is you should never go near disc jockeys because they'll introduce you this way. It's Allison, man. What do you think? <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> it's pretty good. Allison, where are you from? You know, I'm in Lakeville. And you, did you grow up in the Twin Cities as well? Um, for the most part, yeah. I moved here when I was 15 from New Jersey, but I spent some time in Edina and uh, mm-hmm. moved out to Lakeville. The mean streets of Edina. Uh, Mean streets of Edina, ladies and gentlemen. On the evening of April 19th, 2013, Samantha and Gianna Rucky disappeared. Two of five children born to David Rucky and Sandra Grazzini Rucky. You notice how I said Grazzini because I heard you were from Jersey, so I went with the, the 2Z Grazzini. What do you very think? Very good. Very, very Thank good. You. Thank that you. was perfect. Thank you. All right. The teenage sisters vanished in the midst of their parents' divorce. The girl's father, David Rucky, worked tirelessly with law enforcement to search day and night for his two missing daughters, following every lead while raising uh, raising three remaining children. Oh, my God. Their mother, Sandra Grazzini Rucky, used her newfound freedom to uh, vacation around the world, abandoning her children. And as the investigation intensified, catching the attention of the media, Sandra also disappeared. What? is this all about my god well this is a story that starts with a family uh, parents and five children and they were deciding to get a divorce on paper which to many people is 
something they've never heard of because it's mm-hmm. uh, not a real thing. Uh, they had some financial problems based on um, the Grazzini family being in some big fights about estates and money left from, from Sandra's family. Um, the Grazzini mm-hmm. family is a pretty well-known um, family with a lot of money. And so Sandra and her siblings were fighting over trust funds and other things. So mm-hmm. David and Sandra were concerned for their own finances and their own, you know, their, their family. And so Sandra came to David and said, let's get a divorce on paper that will protect our financials from anything that's going on in my family. And after thinking about it for a while, David decided that that would be okay. Um, she presented to him that nothing would change um, in real life, but that, you know, financially and on paper, they would be divorced. So all of their assets would be protected from her family. Um, David signed off on the paperwork that he believed was to actually start this pretend divorce. And it turned out that it was very much real. And he had been kind of duped into signing divorce papers and signing away his children, all five of them. And um, Mm -hmm. that's the beginning. That's kind of where this all started. What's amazing to me, Allison and Michael, is every time you hear something bizarre like this, look, children do disappear. Sometimes they're never found. It's heartbreaking and horrible. But this kind of case where they know where the where the girls are, at least one family member did, and uh, TV reporters did. They knew where the girls were. But as soon as you add money to the equation, everything changes completely, doesn't it? This is all about money again, isn't it? And that's where this sure story is, just... And that's where this story just really takes an, an off trajectory, the element of money. I mean, as you, as you pointed out, Tom, I mean, it was well known in the court file when these kids left, when these kids were, were abducted on April 19th, um, you know, roughly a month later, um, it, was, it was documented in the court file as to where the, the belief was where these kids were. And they were, the belief was they were with their mother. Um, and there's a bias we have a little bit in society in a sense of, of missing kids. I mean, the vast majority of strange, the vast majority of child abductions involves someone abducting the child or kidnapping the child that the child knows they're either a relative or a, right. or a friend of the family. The, the vast minority of them are stranger abductions, like the situation in Wisconsin with Jamie Claus. This was, right. um, a chi- this was an abduction um, in the sense that, you know, they were abducted by their mother. They were then dropped off with strangers in northwestern Minnesota. And there they, there they were gone for a total of 944 days. And it took some time for this story to get some attention which differs a bit, you know, Samantha and Gianna Rucky's picture appeared on the exact same website that Jacob Wetterling's picture appeared on. So from the standpoint of the National Center for Missing and Exploiting Children, these kids were, for lack of a better phrase, just as missing as, as Jacob Wetterling was. But for some reason, it just didn't get enough attention initially. It is an amazing story how, how this all happened. It's all based on who has what money and what, what this is all about. How many, um, I guess the best way to put it is, how many adults knew where the girls were but wouldn't tell anybody or claim they didn't know where they were? There were four adults charged related to the disappearance, uh, uh, the, the disappearance of these kids. Sandra Grazzini-Rucky was charged, and she was convicted of six felonies. 
Didi Ebelbold, who was a friend of Sandra's and uh, was Michelle McDonald's campaign manager. Michelle McDonald's, of course, a candidate for political sure. office in Minnesota. She was convicted right. of six felonies. And then Doug and Gina Dowland, who had the kids at the ranch up in northwestern Minnesota, they were charged and then they pled guilty. They, they, were, they were pled guilty to two gross misdemeanors for their involvement. The totality of that, though, is there. This didn't happen in a vacuum, and there were other people that were involved and, as, and, and knew about stuff. And as you kind of discussed a bit, the reporter, we were, which we discussed in the book, you know, Trish Van Pilsen with Fox 9, interviewed the kids while they were, in, 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 they were, while they were being held, and in, they were in the control of Doug and Gina Dolan. She allowed them to come into an interview, then they left, and then you know Trish Van Pilsen and was one of the last people for roughly 941 days. She was one of the last people outside of a very small universe to see these kids alive, and it's mind-boggling to think. Why on earth wouldn't she have gone back to her news director and said, "Look, I know where these girls are. What should I do?" Or did she do that? And the news director was such a dope that they dropped the ball. I, I don't know, you know, we've, you know, I, I had, we discussed this a bit in the book, you know, some conversations we had with Trish. I think that there was a, a mistaken belief as to what was actually going on with these kids. Um, and in retrospect, it just boggles the mind to think. I mean, imagine if, imagine if Jamie Claus had come in to do a media interview and was allowed to leave the interview. Imagine, you know, tragically, some yeah. other abducted kids had gone through this situation. The truth of the matter is, what happened that day when Van Pilsen interviewed these kids was a crime that was unfolding. Doug and Gina Dowen, who brought them to the interview, later pled guilty to their role in the disappearance of these kids. And so I think there's sometimes a rush with the media to come in. They get the story. They get the glitz. They get all the exclusives. They can get some clickbait. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, was it the right moral thing to do? And without any hesitation, I don't think it was the right moral thing to do to allow those kids to come into an interview and then allow them to leave. Those kids then, you know, when they were supposed to be in school, it was, it was a school day, they were allowed to come interview and then leave. Um, it's just, it's difficult to think. And the trauma, that the pain that added to the family, it's one of the things that we talk about in this, in this book is how that experience with the media, how David Rucky and the family, how that really broke the trust with the media. And as we saw with Jamie Kloss, the media plays such an important role in these cases in terms of getting the kids' pictures out and advertising and promoting, for lack of a better phrase, that there's a missing child. When there's a breakdown with the media in terms of covering that, it can really cause, a, it can really cause these investigations into the disappearance of children to stall. I have a question. Allison, maybe you could answer this for me. If I have abducted two children and I've had a hold of them for whatever, a week, a month, a year, whatever it's been, and a reporter reached out to me through an intermediary and said, I'd love to interview the children, wouldn't I assume if I brought the two children that they, the police would close in and take them? How did they know? For What were their assurances that there would be no uh, law enforcement there when they brought the two kids? We don't know. We don't know the answer to that um, simply because we weren't privy to any of those conversations. I mean, I yeah. certainly would expect that if it were me, you know, yeah. but we don't know. So something else was going and, on behind the scenes, wasn't it? Absolutely. absolutely. And Doug and Gina Dolan, of the four adults that were charged, 
Doug and Gina Dolan pled guilty, which kind of slowed down any type of, I think, larger investigation into their roles in this. Mm-hmm. Had there been a mm-hmm. trial for those two, more of this probably would have come up as Allison raised. Yeah, it just makes sense to me. If somebody told me that, I would assume they were trying to trap me with the children. I would never bring two children to a meeting like that. No way. So that, that something else was, was cooking here we don't know about. or, or I don't know. That, why those two girls? You said there were five total children. Is that right? Were they just the right age to take? Correct. Why the, why the, they were the right age. That was it, huh? You know, I don't even know that it was about age, but it was about opportunity. Um, those okay. two girls okay. were, um, the children were kind of in different locations. And on this particular night, and again, we detail this, of course, in the book, um, on this particular night, those two girls were being transitioned from one home to another. And so I think it was just the opportunity to, you know, get them and the other three yeah. were not available yep. to take. And if you're, what, what are the name, what's the name of the couple up again, up in Northwestern Minnesota? Doug and Gina Dolan. Of the Dolan, White Horse okay. Ranch. White Horse Ranch? Okay. Yep. Um, how, why did they, yeah, we know how they got involved, I guess, but why would they get involved in something like this? You know, the, the White Horse Ranch was a new uh, venture for Gina Dolan. She was just getting oh, okay. it up and running and trying to, trying to do this kind of um, therapeutic um, work with horses and children, and I think she an opportunity for herself god it's a, what a what a story how maddening is it to have worked on that so you've been working on this story now for what five years something like that uh the rucky family came into to my office where i work david lucky did oh, okay. in 2011 so it's been a long time oh my god so it's been almost eight years uh, yeah, it's it's quite the story here. But the, the, the fact that really does stick out to me that the media, the television reportage, <laughs> the media got involved with this and stepped away without helping anyone. Why wouldn't you help the children? Why wouldn't you help the dad? I, I don't understand. Was this a thing Were they told the, this reporter? You think there's a chance they were told that that. Uh, that Mr. Rookie, uh, Mr. Rookie, David Rookie was was beating his children or something. Uh, you know, what were they told? Why would they get involved with this? I, I absolutely think that the media was told a story, uh, and they made the decision based on that. And and the the reality is, they were wrong, and there's consequences right. to being wrong. Um, and that's the problem with the media. I mean, you know. Trish Van Pilsen had access to the criminal file, had, had the same level, the same amount of information that Allison and I had in terms of writing this, and she came to a different conclusion. Uh, we, in fact, later interviewed the kids uh, and had conversations with them and members of the Rocky family for the book, and, and they discussed, you know, how they regretted the Fox 9 interview, that they regretted not only uh, doing the interview, but they had also been, um, you know, one of the Rocky kids told us that, they, they did the interview under the impression that their faces were going to be blurred out on TV. They were minor children. Oh, yeah. And we're, 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 un, we're unclear at this time which of any of the adults that were involved authorized the interview. Of course, their custodial parents didn't, um, nor did their guardian uh, authorize the interview. But Fox 9, I mean, Fox 9 then didn't air the footage and didn't blur out their faces. 
And so these kids are kind of repeatedly kind of going through and kind of a little bit re-traumatized from, from seeing this yeah. footage out there. It is, it is, it is almost, it is, it is very, very close to almost like a hostage video in terms of seeing these kids out there and seeing them exploited in that manner. And when, when Allison and I wrote the book, we took an entirely different approach to how we were going to deal with the kids and how we were going to write this story and, and try to not do it in any type of exploited way. But the media, it really shows the power of the media. And we've seen, like in the Jamie Kloss case, mm-hmm. we've seen how the media is should be complimented for their role in keeping that kid's picture out there. Is that aided? But in this particular yep. case, we can also see how it can cause some trouble. No doubt. We have to take a very quick break. You can stay for another segment, I hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers, come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Who? Thank you very much. Great to be here. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the girls are gone. The true story of two sisters who vanished, the father who kept searching, and the adults who conspired to keep the truth hidden, Allison Mann and Michael Broadcorb. Um, I've got a a few uh, questions asked of me. Yes, this is a... we are making history today uh, that a reporter from MinPost would actually talk to me. So I, I was very impressed with that, Michael. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> he of goes, course oh, they would. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's one guy over there. One guy over there is not a big fan of mine, man. I can't remember his name, but he's – it's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to get back maybe that's part on of the top problem. of this. If you, can't remember, if, you, if you can't remember his name, maybe that's part of the problem. Well, maybe it, it might be the whole problem. You're right about that. There's a possibility yeah, exactly. that it, it, <laughs> exactly. this is the way it is. Uh, I, uh, I I think it's wonderful that you, you both wanted to come on this show and, and talk about this. Uh, Catherine and I are big into protecting children, and we have a, a son and a daughter there with you uh, in studio. Uh, this is our kind of story. I just don't understand how so many people got fooled in so many ways by all of this, how, it just seems to me anybody who's reasonable would go, well, wait a minute. We're just not going to take two girls and move them up to northwest Minnesota. 
we're not going to go and do an interview with two young girls and take it back to the, the you know, the, uh, I don't know. It's just the whole thing just drives me nuts. Um, so, yeah, the deal is this, that uh, I, I uh, there's what... You've been on this now. We talked about it going on eight years. What is this really all about? Who? So they were trying to harm the dad, David Rucky. She was trying to harm him as much as she possibly could. So it really wasn't with the. Uh, it wasn't about the girls. It was more about dad, just to harm dad emotionally. Is that it? Yes, uh, Michael and I have talked about this before. We believe that at some point along the way here. Sandra's hatred for David became greater than her love for her children. She would stop at nothing to ruin David Rucky, and that was her main focus. I, I, and that's so you harm your own children, or did she not see it? She just thought the two girls went off to a horse farm and they were going to live this wonderful life. So she didn't see that separating the two girls from their family was harming them. She just used it to harm her husband. Correct. And, and she, I mean, Sandra, Sandra has five kids. And one of the things that we would say we would, would, would want to communicate directly is, is, this is a, these are wonderful kids. This is a wonderful family. Um, these are great kids. And Alice and I had a, an opportunity to get to know, you know each of them over the course of writing this book. These kids are doing great now. Um, but Sandra good, not only good. missed out, not only, did she, not only did she pick her kids up, drop them off at this ranch, she plays no active role in their life right now. Um, and she's, she's been able to see these kids in some way since November of 2013. Um, but she plays no active role in, the, in their lives whatsoever. And so it wasn't as if even, if, even if you were to accept the premise that she, you know, believed the kids were being abused, um, she picked them up that night and then she dropped them off with complete strangers. She didn't do anything to, to nurture them and take care of them herself. You would think... And if you, you would think just kind of as a parent, if you got your kids out of a, an abusive situation, that you do everything you could to shield them and protect them directly, lay down your life to protect them. Sandra picked her kids up and dropped them off at a ranch. And then while her kids were, where their kids should have been in school, uh, going to classes, um, they were doing field work up in Herman, Minnesota. They were picking rocks, working in fields, mm-hmm. not going to school, uh, while Sandra is kind of, gallivanting across the country and across the world taking exotic trips and going on cruises and stuff so um her story really falls apart both in fact and in how she behaved and it's really difficult to wrap your head around as a parent you know allison's a parent i'm a parent um and just to think about how a parent would come to the conclusion that dropping their kids off at a ranch and then just you know keeping them out of school where they're doing you know you know, farm work is a good way to live a life. I guess that's what they thought. I so I have a question for Cassie and, and Alex and, and Catherine and Allison, obviously you. Do you think the reason Trish Van Pilsen didn't uh, come down on the side of law enforcement, is there a thing among some people, some women, to punish men as much as they possibly can? It, and the only reason I ask that question is because it sure seems like that's happening a lot more and more every day in the political world. Was it because this is this was a guy that Trish Van Pilsen went, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a guy deal, so I'm, I don't care about it? Is that what happened here? I honestly... You know, I- 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Allison. Um, I think it has a lot to do with that. I think it has to do with a bias yep. against fathers. Um, we yep. see that, you know, quite a bit in family law. And it's a tough bias to overcome um, in any situation. And it makes things real difficult. I think that's why David was from the beginning digging himself out of a hole that he wasn't yep. the one who dug. See, now it makes total, total sense to me. This was all about punishing David, and there are a lot of people that want to line up to punish men. It's just not all men did things to destroy other people. I'm sorry, this is not a skin color issue. It's not a, uh, an orientation issue or a gender issue other than uh, are all men looked at, uh, upon this way by, by some women that they're they're automatically the bad guy? Is that just the way it is? Well, I think so because, I mean, if you look at what Trish Van Pilsom did, as soon as she interviewed the girls, she went to the dad and said, I just interviewed the girls, but she would not reveal where the oh, girls were. Yeah. Um, you know, and what really irritates me is that she's not being held accountable for impeding an investigation on finding these girls. Because I don't know if she wanted to own the story or what her uh, motive was. I'm sure that's probably the majority of it. But, yeah, mm -hmm. she's not being held accountable at all for not saying where these girls were. I mean, if the girls were actually abused in some way, okay, yeah. fine. Then they will be put in foster care or something of that nature. But they need to be known. They need, we need to know where they were. You know, nobody knew except the, the little inner circle that their mother had going. That is so right. You're spot on there. The, one of the best ways that Van Pilsen could have owned this story has had, had she conducted, she could have had the best, the best of all worlds in this, in this angle, had all angles. She could have interviewed the kids and then followed them out and contacted law enforcement and, and validated the claims that were made that these kids were okay. Uh, she could have found the kids and had the story. That's what somebody responsible would have done. Because, again, these were minor children. We, we, we as a society don't allow minor children to make determinations on where they're going to live. While it's important to give them a voice in the process, um, there was no vetting to, to make sure that these kids weren't threatened in any type of way. Again, the people that dropped them off at the dropped them off at the interview were the people who later pled guilty to their involvement in these kids' disappearance. It's just monstrous to think. It is monstrous to think. Do you know? Does anyone know? And they could answer answer this for me. Is this just part of uh, our education system now, where where it's uh, oh well, you know, this is just the way it is, and uh, you know, if uh, some guy takes a punch, that's too bad. Again, I find it very odd that they went after him, and part of it was because he was a guy. For is, does Trish Van Pilsen still work at Channel Nine, by the way? We don't know. We don't. We haven't. I haven't seen Trish on the news in a long time. Yeah, I don't, the only reason I ask you that question is is because when you watch the news these days, man, people love to line up against against men. These news reporters are they taught in journalism school? You could lie all you want because to to get to the heart of the story or deliver the story to the right ears and make the biggest impact, it's okay if you lie. Are they being taught that now in journalism school? I would say to you that, that not only, I mean, whether, whether it was taught or not, Van Pilsen's 
independent of the act of bringing the kids to the interview being horrific, the, the underlying story that she did about this case doesn't hold, doesn't hold up to journalistic standards and, oh, and through any yeah. type of vetting. In fact, it's, it's largely been, it's been removed from Fox 9's website, and it's largely being trafficked around by the conspiracy theorists who support Sander and the people who are involved in this cause. It's, it's oh. a fantastic piece, of pro- fantastic piece of propaganda for that side, but in terms of a fact-based discussion, it's, it comes up short there. Yeah, it absolutely does. It, it, is it just kind of the way the world's headed now that people, the people don't really, I don't want to say they don't care about one another, but maybe they don't care as deeply as they used to, that this is all about me, it's all about my career, it's all about me making money, and I guess you come in second, third, or fourth, I don't know, but I come in first always. It's, I'm very uncomfortable with that. That is a, a devastating analysis, but you might be right. I mean, you take this and you look at Trish Van Pilsen as a mother, as a parent, as a human. I, I cannot understand why she never called and said, this is where I was. This is who was with me. Maybe this can help in the investigation. I just can't understand that. And how she could, you know, coldly look at David Rocky and say, oh, I just saw them. I was just with them, but I'm not going to tell yeah. you where they were. I'm not going to give you any details. It's just, it's, it's gross. Well, also, too. I will tell you. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Tom. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, in all the the hundreds and thousands of dollars that taxpayer money paid. Millions. Yeah, I mean, to investigate this and, you know, the manpower and all that stuff. Is there a way we could have a civil suit against these people, including Trish Van Pilsum? To recoup that, to say, hey, you guys could have ended this way sooner yeah. than, you know, it was yeah. drawn out this whole time. Um, David, what, what I do know is, is that um, in the, after the kids were found, I know there was discussions about a civil suit against Trish and or Fox 9 that didn't ultimately it was a determination not to proceed with it. I think that was largely based on um, David's desire, I mean, there were four criminal investigations that were, four criminal trials that were about to start. I just don't know in, in you know, in kind of his punch list after the kids were found, how high it was up on his list. That being said, um, over the course of conducting interviews with David and even today, his level of animosity and just the raw emotional hatred he has yeah. towards what was done is really at its core. I'll just say quickly, I don't, and we, I discussed this with David, and Allison and I did. I don't know what would be worse, uh, not knowing where your kids are or knowing where your kids are and know people that are involved in it, and you're not able to kind of pierce that veil or get that information out. Uh, just the daily struggle that that man went through, uh, it is amazing that he survived it. And I know Allison and I are incredibly fortunate to have met him and the, the children in the course of working on this book. They're great people. No, I have to tell you, the, the, there's a kind of a personal thing for me, and these stories are very difficult for me because when Jacob Wetterling disappeared all those years ago, I got a call from, uh, from Patty Wetterling asking me if I would do a bunch of, of uh, public service announcements talking about missing children, and they were in attendance when I recorded those. And I want to oh. tell you the anguish that you can feel coming off a person like that. It's just you feel so horrible because these two, Patty and her husband, Jerry, they, they had no idea where their boy was. They didn't know if he was safe. They didn't know if he was dead. Turned out, unfortunately, he, he was dead. 
but just to be around people because it had just happened uh, like a couple of months earlier or a couple of weeks earlier. I don't even remember, but but being with them, they're the nicest people in the world. But looking in their eyes and going, oh, my God, these people are, are just being tortured by this. So I just feel the same way about David Rucky. I'm sure that's the way David feels, isn't it? It, it definitely was. It's devastating. You're right. It's absolutely devastating to look into the eyes uh, of a parent of missing children. It's it's awful. It is indeed. I talked to Patty about a week ago or two. Well, when Jamie returned, that was what two weeks ago now. Jamie Jamie Claus, yeah, she, she returned. Yeah. That was about two weeks ago. I talked to Patty that day, and she, all she cared about was getting the message out of how happy she was for Jamie, that Jamie was not killed, that Jamie did escape. Instead of focusing on her own anguish, she just stepped forward and said, I am so happy for Jamie Claus that she's returned home. Now her parents are dead. She watched the man kill her parents, so she's going to have a lot to deal with. But more than anything, I don't know how you could interview two. How old were the girls when Trish Van Pilsen interviewed them? 13 and 14. 13 and 14. You can just walk away from yeah. a 13 and 14. There's a there's a dad out there, their father, who has no idea where they are, and you're okay with that? Yeah, it's horrible. It's just horrible. And, you know, speaking of Patty Wetterling, um, the, the Jacob Wetterling Resource um, Center was absolutely instrumental um, in Wonderful. helping with this case, the rookie case. They were so great. They were great uh, while the search was going on for the girls, and they were so helpful when the girls are found and uh, I know Patty and the center have both been talking a lot about reunification and how to, you know, reunify yeah. these children with their families. Jamie too, as different set of circumstances to go when you've been removed from your family, from your school, from your friends, all that stuff. It takes some work and it takes professionals and the Jacob Waterling Resource Center was phenomenal in helping with that. Yeah. It's just that they're great, great people. I will close with this cause we do have to go, but, uh, I also did a bunch of PSAs. There was a huffing phase in Minnesota where many young guys mm-hmm. were dying from huffing. So I did those uh, PSAs for them as well. And one of the fathers <clears throat> came in to, to help cut the spots. And he basically sat there and cried the whole time. I was reading about his son dying from huffing. Uh, we, we did the PSAs. And about six months later, I ran into the father. Uh, and I just walked up to him and said, how you doing? And he said, how do you think I'm doing? Oh, that was painful. That was so, uh, Trish, yeah, I don't know how I you did it. I Trish, I, I have no idea how the hell you could do this, because I've been around parents who've lost their children. Uh, neither one of them came back. One of them died from huffing. The other one, Jacob, unfortunately, was buried for I don't know how many years. How you could walk away from that and be comfortable, I will never understand, because I could never do what you did. Never. Right? Exactly right. All right, unbelievable. Allison Mann and Michael Broadcorp. The girls are gone. The true story of two sisters who vanished. The father who kept searching, and the adults who conspired to keep the truth hidden. Now, Michael, say hello to everybody for me at my admin post. Make sure you do that. Yeah, I will. I will make sure to do it. And, and Tom, thank you so much, <laughs> and your, everyone there, for the opportunity to be on. It's just wonderful. Oh, uh, please come thank back. Thank you so much. I'd Thomas. love to talk and more about that. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your work. It's Allison Mann. Fantastic. Oh. <laughs> our great pleasure, but we do, we do we need you back to talk more about this. And the book is available everywhere. I'm assuming it is. 
Excellent. Thank you for your yeah. time. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was emotional. It was very, yes. very emotional. We'll very. be right back. Tom Bernard Show.